This is the Warm Springs program on KWSO. The Warm Springs Missing and Murdered Indigenous Relatives 2023 Relay and Marathon has been set for May 6th. The event was created to honor and remember those relatives and bring together families and community members for a day of healing. The MMIR Warm Springs group members are Raylene Thomas and Raina Estimo. Raylene talks about why she was compelled to start the group in May of 2021. For me, it sparked just from a couple of cases that happened in our community, and I just felt there could have been more done, and maybe there needs to be more of a community effort and feeling like, you know, we can't always depend on law enforcement and just being real about it. And so I reached out to the community via Facebook because everybody's on there. And I was like, is anybody else, you know, does anybody else want to be involved in this? And Reyna was the only one. (laughs) And so um, we started meeting uh, twice a week and just talking about different cases, talking about the issue in our own community and started planning from there on like, what could we do as a community? How can we respond? How can we help families with their own efforts and um, how can we start building relationships? How, you know, just we just started, our brains started going from there. Um, we started out as res active, but we transitioned to MMIR Warm Springs in fall of this last year. The Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, or MMIW, movement has brought attention to an epidemic in the U.S. and Canada of violence against Native women and high rates of disappearances and murders, particularly of Native women and girls. This local group focuses on men and women of all ages and promoting awareness to the community about the issue. You know, absolutely no dis- respect to MMIW, um, but we did realize that this impacts women, men, children, and we really took on a community feeling, and Reyna was like, what about relatives? You know, we're all related, we're all community, we're all family, and so that's where that came from. It's definitely a community-wide impact, and we feel that everybody's impacted in one way or another. MMIR Warm Springs Group member Raina Estimo. I would say the biggest thing that we've learned so far has been that every single case is different and should be approached differently. When we first started, I mean, we were just thinking of we need a community search plan. But the more that we talk to families and the more that we research the issue, you know, age has a lot to do with what kind of plan. So whether it's a young, like when you search for a young child or a teenager, you're looking at different types of plans. If you're searching for a teenager, an adult, that's a different kind of plan. An adult, even adult to elder is a different kind of plan. So we know that it, there, it's it's a lot more work. Like we, we figured that out, I think from the first week that this is a lot more work Um, than we had originally anticipated. And the other part of it, too, is we don't want to just focus on the reactive part of it. We want to also get education out there and prevention, you know, to some of the root causes of MMIR. And so, I mean, there's that work, too, all the preventative work and all the education work. Raylene says there is a lot of safety messaging they plan to share on their Facebook page and want community members to think about. Leaving a note if you have to walk away from your vehicle, what your name, what time you left, what direction you're going, and, um, you know, what was the issue. And there's also, before you leave, letting your family know what area you're going to. And, like, sometimes I do take pictures of what we're wearing 
and I'll send it to somebody. I'm really big on like precaution and safety and I'm always telling family or friends where I'm going, what time I'm leaving, what time I should be there. You know, even when I'm hiking, this recent hike I did, there's a sign-in book and I, I put our names, our address, our phone numbers, and I put what time we started. And then also having gear in your vehicles. Um, there's the roadside kits, jumper cables, extra gas sometimes. And then there's also different devices out there these days too. Satellite phones, stuff like that. And they're spendy, but they may be worth it, especially with everything that's been going on around here. You know, even to those that know the area. I mean, you just never know what or who you'll run into out there. And our lands are vast and that's a lot of forest and you could be the most knowledgeable but it's always good to take precautions. And then just going out by yourself. I mean, just something as simple as that is just going out, making sure you're not going out in those areas alone or trying not to. I mean, just something like that would, would be a good safety precaution. Awareness and prevention are things that they want to include when informing the community. Raylene shares a few ways people can protect themselves and practice caution. Taking self-defense classes, researching information, you know, about MMIW and... You know, we do experience violence at higher rates than the national average. We experience more sexual violence than the average rate. And there's even self-defense. Keychains is a huge thing right now for women. That went viral. And then also, you know, not going alone or if you have to. Like, you got to watch out for those dating apps. Um, everybody's free to do their, their own thing, but just be careful and also, again, with those dating apps, let people know, you know, this is who I'm going to see. This is what time I'm leaving. I mean, just be precautious. And then also with the technology stuff, you know, really got to monitor the kids, too. There's so much out there these days. Uh, things going, all these viral trends and everything like that, whether it's violence or dating stuff. Um, making connections, meeting people that we don't know that they're meeting. And I took a human trafficking class with COCC, which I'm hoping I can connect with them to try to get some education down here in Springs for the community. You know, a lot of those girls, they were vulnerable. They have a certain target population, young, vulnerable, um, going through things in life, or if they're by themselves. One of the girls got picked up at a concert just leaving a concert and this guy spotted her out and started talking to her. They, you know, swoon them and they manipulate them. And next thing you know, they're in the human trafficking world. I mean, it just happens just like that. And it could be any one of us or any one of our kids. Talking about these issues can be extremely sensitive, painful or difficult, whether it's about violent behaviors or a lack of solutions or resources or sharing experiences. Having these often uncomfortable or complicated conversations is something the MMIR Warm Springs Group advocates for. We have to have these hard conversations within our community about these very sensitive topics. Like even, you know, I've gotten lashback or we've gotten lashback just for even bringing about this issue, like in, in how, it, how much it's growing and some of the issues within different departments, you know, and stuff like that. But we can't sit here and be blind or act like it's not happening. We have victims who are still out there. They're not, they're, they haven't been found. We have cases um, of potential murder that haven't been solved. The response, the frustration, 
that families have of the response, that needs to be talked about and acknowledged, and that way we can address it. It's it's not to bash any department. It probably feels that way, but these are real conversations and situations that we have to talk about. And, you know, these issues of human trafficking, sexual violence, intimate partner violence, um, missing people, murders, I mean, these discussions do have to happen. We can't be quiet. (laughs) Otherwise, it'll continue the way it is. Funding for addressing the issues surrounding MMIR in our community could be used for things such as helping family members or survivors, training for volunteers or law enforcement, data and reporting. There's some funding out there that include MMIP these days. There's a lot of like ways that you can include funding, like intimate partner violence, domestic violence, stuff like that. But it's it's so broad and the circumstances are always different. And we've been looking for funding. I find it difficult to find. A lot of the funding, I think, is going to need to be initiated by the tribe. And so I feel like our tribal council is probably going to have to make this a priority so that the tribe can go after the funding, which we met with tribal council with a bunch of families that have been affected just last week. And I feel like they understand how big of a issue this is if they didn't before. You know, I'm hoping that they can start directing our public safety branch to start looking for resources because there is absolutely nothing and they know it. And I mean, for the most part, the public safety um, partners that we've talked to, you know, they agree with our approach. They agree that, you know, that this needs to be a community effort. When someone goes missing, you can activate the entire police department and it's not going to be enough resources so that they do need to partner with the community if, you know, if we really want to make this process effective. Missing and murdered Indigenous women, children, people, relatives. There are several variations of the title, but the issues all point to a need to better address the crises. Data, tracking, investigation, coordination, cooperation, these are some of the issues that need to be addressed and that only recently have become prominent in mainstream media and on a federal level. Within tribal communities, tribal leaders and community members are looking at ways they can make improvements. Addressing the missing persons aspect is something that is a very real and very present issue on the Warm Springs Reservation. I mean, we've talked about it a lot and and we recognize, you know, we've looked at the different types of assets in our community when it comes to community searches. And we know that we have the tools here. We just need to organize them better. And I think, I think that, you know, we kind of decided that's going to start with something like a state of emergency protocol that, you know, as soon as someone goes missing, um, tribal council can enact a state of emergency the same way that the state might do it. And then they can um, initiate resources. Because I know in the search um, that took place that started about a year ago, you know, they allowed um, some like BNR to go and search, but it was on a volunteer basis. And so, you know, a state of emergency protocol might actually require, you know, a larger response. And that's like the most important part to this issue. When someone goes missing, you have to have that huge response within hours. We can't wait days. It's especially depending on the time of year, whether it's too hot or too cold. But and then and it doesn't just have to be searchers. This is a whole group effort. You know, there's logistics like we have an excellent logistics um, 
partner with emergency management. They handle logistics and supplies and all that all the time, you know, through COVID, through the water crisis. I mean, we have that partner there. We have our BNR department that knows every part of this reservation and that can search it. We have huge firefighting programs that can grid square miles easily. We have all these partners and um, we just have to figure out a way to organize them. And we need to find good leadership. I think that's, you know, a good hierarchy of leadership, whether it's search and rescue, whether, you know, the PD is going to take lead on it. Um, but we just just basically need to organize. We do have the parts. We have the assets here in the community to be able to do this successfully. We just need to organize it a lot better. At one time, Warm Springs had a search and rescue group organized who could respond promptly when a person went missing. MMIR Warm Springs group member Raylene Thomas. I hope that it does happen to have our own search and rescue again. But until then, I hope that they use outside resources as well and activate them sooner than later. We're talking about now, like we need this now again. And so hopefully that happens. But training, that's another thing that needs to happen, whether we have our own search and rescue, but also for our local law enforcement and also our community. You know, they worry a lot about evidence and and stuff like this and, you know, just talking to our community about what to look out for. What do you do if you do run into anything? Um, Stuff like that. And just any resource we have definitely needs to have some training. There's different hubs that offer the training all over the state, but definitely hard to get volunteer, I think, especially, you know, we're already in survival on the res, so to ask them to volunteer for our own search and rescue, but hopefully it'll happen. And that also, you know, I think a lot of people want to volunteer, but they don't understand that, you know, not all volunteers are searchers. You know, there are a lot of different ways to volunteer, but then there's a lot of barriers too. like even, you know, if we're traveling out to kind of a semi-remote part of the reservation, just the cost of gas can be a barrier. So that's one thing that we tried to work on. We're, we're trying to work on, too, is creating resources. There's absolutely nothing right now, you know, and but we need to support our community we need to support the families of the missing people by even it's a, if it's as simple as providing small gas vouchers so that more people can assist them. Um, but there's like absolutely no resources right now. So, I mean, there's there's just a lot of work to do. Folks who are interested in becoming involved with the MMIR Warm Springs group should keep an eye on their Facebook page. They plan to start a database of volunteers and utilize them in different capacities. Assisting in response and organizing efforts when someone goes missing is needed in a lot of different ways. You can do internet and social media canvassing, interviewing fa- friends and family members over over the phone or over social media. There's, you know, there's a lot of different things that, you know, you don't have to because when we first started this, I was in a wheelchair I couldn't go out and search and that was I mean and that's kind of what gave me the perspective is how could I help the Warm Springs Missing and Murdered Indigenous Relatives Relay was created to honor and remember those relatives and bring together families and community members for a day of healing they talk about the first relay that was held last year we wanted to do an event but we kind of landed on relay and marathon because that physical exertion we thought of kind of as a way of healing and that's what we really wanted our event to focus on was healing for some of these families so that's kind of how we landed on relay and marathon honestly last year when we finally decided i think we had a month until the event happened and Uh, Raina really started looking into how can we make this happen? What do we want to do? 
and reaching out to different departments um, to help sponsor it. It was all uh, sponsor and volunteer efforts, and that's how it's going to be this year, too. Yeah, last year our major partners were Community Wellness Center and their staff, JCP, Juvenile Crime Prevention, um, Chet sponsored the meal, Emergency Management was a huge sponsor, volunteers, and supplies. <laughs> fire and Safety oh, yeah, was fire. a huge support, and yeah. they've been supportive. They're super supportive. They were a lot of help. Those were Native like Aspirations. Our, oh, yeah, Native Aspirations did some financial sponsorship. But, um, yeah, those were our major partners to make it happen last year. There were 17 teams altogether, and there was one youth team and two relay runner, or marathon runners. And it was, we thought we'd get maybe five or six. It was awesome. And it was actually really emotional because a lot of them were victims' families. But we opened it with an invocation and a song and prayer from Jefferson Green. And then at the finish line, we had a raffle and our all our prizes were like safety and wellness. And then we had a mental health support at the finish line for anybody that may need it. Um, and we had a meal and uh, photos. Our event was free. Each team also had to provide a volunteer. And so when we were like planning the whole event, there's just so much at the start line and so much at the finish line. The team volunteers, that's kind of what they were responsible for, was just manning those um, exchange points. So each team would provide at least one volunteer to man those exchange points. Yeah, and it's about 26 miles from the rodeo grounds to some national longhouse. There's eight exchange points and nine legs altogether. The 2023 Say Their Name Relay and Marathon in honor of our missing and murdered Indigenous relatives will be held on Saturday, May 6th. We're still planning uh, reaching out to potential sponsors and volunteers. And some changes this year, though. Um, last year, the youth only ran to the Kanita Village. This year, they'll be running the entire course with the rest of the participants, and they'll finish at the main finish line with everybody else. Um, we didn't want them to be excluded from the main finish line because a lot of teams stayed behind and cheered everybody on, and it was awesome, and we just don't want to keep them out of that this year. And then we won't have two routes. Um, the marathon runners went down the zigzag hill to Kanita, but... This year, they're just going to be running the main course as well. So it is about 26, almost 26 and a half miles. So those are some of the changes this year. This year, we have the Longhouse Reserved, so uh, it'll be a little more comfortable. Last year, um, it was very windy, and we got hail, and it was it was cold. Um, and so that will just allow us to just be more comfortable and possibly have more services and programming and whatnot at the end. Yeah, and it was cool, though, because it rained, it hailed, it was gloomy, it was windy as heck, but it, it ended in sunshine. I, I felt like that was a huge message. I, I don't know why. I just felt like there was a lot of healing that day, and um, it, there was a lot of emotions and stuff, but a lot of feedback about healing. As a grassroots effort for an urgent issue, raising awareness and community involvement are very important. When someone from our tribal community goes missing or is a victim of violence, take a minute and think about how it impacts you, your family, friends, relatives. This is why we should all care. Because it's our community. It's our people, and it's happening at 
a rapid rate just in this last year. You know, look out for each other. Be cautious with yourself. And, you know, don't wait until it's you or your own relative that this happens to. We should we should care because it could be any one of us any day. I hope we all have these conversations in our homes, with our families, with our peers, with our tribal leaders, with our departments. I hope we continue to have these conversations and, you know, we look forward to more work. It's all volunteer. It's just Raina and I and anybody's welcome to join youth, elder, anybody from the community. You know, when someone goes missing like this, this process needs to be set. It's costing our community for this to continue to be a learning process. It needs to be set, and we need to get those searches initiated within a couple of hours. Like when we start, first started writing our plans, that was our goal, was to get a search going within two hours of it being reported to either us or the police department. We did meet with tribal council, and tribal council wants us to bring recommendations as far as protocol and things like that, so that's, that's kind of our next project. I know we want to start a volunteer database you know, and we want people, we want to have that database ready so we can initiate those searches and for people to tell us how can you help, whether it's providing supplies, whether it's providing, you know, just transportation, cooking, making sandwiches, actually searching, um, you know, any any way. You know, we, we, ha- we actually have our volunteer um, application, recruitment application ready, but we just want to be a little more prepared before we start that process. We do. We have been also meeting with the Federal Department of Justice as far as that pilot program is going, and they really have taken our input very seriously. And they've even talked to us about even trying to implement, you know, this community-based search effort, you know, throughout all their pilot programs. Like, they really they really like that concept. So they've been an excellent partner and, and really, you know, validated our efforts. And also just invite everyone to like our page, MMIR Warm Springs. And, you know, we're going to try to start providing, I think we've been focusing on, like, missing people type information, but we really want to start getting into the prevention aspects of it, too. Nationwide, the voices of Indigenous people have united to raise awareness of missing and murdered Indigenous persons, and there is so much work to do. Data on the violence is difficult to obtain simply because it's scarce. Lack of data is a crisis itself, leaving undocumented cases, inaccurate understanding, and inadequate response. Hopefully we'll get more data for our community. There's hardly any nationwide and definitely for our community, too. And there's some data that can't be identified as murder or, you know, stuff like that. And But hopefully someday we'll have more data here in Warm Springs. Right now we have Lisa Brizeno, Louis Salam, Benjamin Arthur, LeBron Boise, Lee Johnson that are all still active. And then we had um, even more than that, though, that were either found or still like semi-active. You know, mental health is a huge part of this as well. Raylene just listed uh, the local people that lived here, um, but we have tribal members who are also missing in other parts of the country, in other states. Some might be experiencing, you know, mental health issues, and so, you know, they might be located, but they would still be considered, like, as an endangered missing person. In May, there will be a relay and marathon to honor missing and murdered Indigenous relatives. It will be the second annual event. And this year, it's called the Say Their Name Relay and Marathon. Reina wanted to acknowledge some of the families that 
talked about saying their relative's name for the first time in a long time. So it's say their name this year. So much love sent out to the families who are directly affected because I can't even imagine. And, you know, it is hard for them to even say their name or talk about what happened. That was a part of the invocation was, you know, it's hard to say their names because you really associate them with the way that they passed and not the way that they lived. And that's what we really want these families is to focus on their lives and talk about their memories and things like that. You know, because it is such a hard topic. It's hard to think about those people without thinking about the way that they left us. The 2023 Say Their Name Relay and Marathon will be held on Saturday, May 6th. You can learn more by visiting the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Relatives Warm Springs Group page on Facebook or send an email to mmirwarmsprings at gmail.com. Thank you to our guests, Raina Estimo and Raylene Thomas. I'm Liz Smith for the Warm Springs program on 91.9 FM KWSO.